0: On today's episode, we get to hear the story of Kennedy Rose, born August 12th, 2009. I was able to interview her mom, Jamie Sue, who shares her story with us. And I just have to say that this little girl made such an impression on my life. I used to do photography and have done several sessions for the organization Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep and Kennedy was one that I was called on, and her mom and I quickly became good friends, and that tiny little girl's foot really left an impression on my heart, and I'm so grateful that I was able to know her and know her family. So, here is Kennedy's story. you're listening to the look above the clouds podcast where we cry together laugh together and learn from each other everyone experiences storms in life but during the storm there are always rainbows that come whether they're in the form of a family member friend or complete stranger our heavenly father always sends them to help ease our burden i hope you can find the tender mercies during your storm as you listen to others share their stories and never forget to take time to look above the clouds Okay. Jamie Sue is here to talk to us about her cute little Kennedy um, really quick. So I volunteered for the organization. Now I lay me down to sleep. Um, and that is how Jamie Sue and I connected as I got to take pictures of her sweet girl. So that was just a quick little intro to how her and I know each other. And I will go ahead and let you tell your story of Kennedy.
1: Okay. Sounds great. So, um, I got pregnant with Kennedy. She was my, my fourth pregnancy. I already had three older kids. Um, but they were all in school. In fact, um, my, the one that I had just older than her, um, started kindergarten the day after I had Kennedy. So, um, so that there was about a, a six, no, a five-year gap between them. And, um, I had been really overwhelmed with, you know, having three kids in four years and was like, I'm not having another baby for about five years. And then, um, when I knew, um, Hunter, that was my, the one older than Kennedy, when I knew she was going to go to kindergarten, I was like, okay, finally, I'm ready to have another baby. So, um, so I got pregnant with her. Um, I consider her like my only real planned pregnancy, (laughs) you know, um, the other ones kind of just happened whenever, but she was the only one that I was really, really trying for at that, at the time that I got pregnant. And so I was really excited to be pregnant with her. Um, it's kind of interesting. This just came, came to me. I remember, um, my oldest daughter, Sydney had written a letter before we ever knew anything was, was wrong with, with Kennedy, but I had told the kids that I was pregnant and she had written, you know, like a little note saying that she hoped that everything would go okay with my pregnancy and that I wouldn't lose the baby, which is kind of crazy to look back on now and be like, Oh my gosh, like, how did she, you know, she was like nine years old. She shouldn't even have been thinking about that, but she did. And, um, Anyway, when I was first, first pregnant with her, um, I went into the doctor. They said, um, you know, they, they did an ultrasound and they had the, um, the due date kind of a little bit later than what I thought it would be based on when my cycle was. And they said, um, well, let's do a follow-up, um, ultrasound at 20 weeks and, you know, just see. See how everything is, then, and that's you know when they're normally going to do things, anyways. Um, and so I went in. I already had, um, at the time I had two girls and a boy, and I was really hoping for another boy so that you know um, that we could have brothers and sisters. And, um, and um, so I went in and I was just like, oh, please let it be a boy, please let it be a boy. And, um, the ultrasound was like taking forever, like 45 minutes. And I was still like, kind of clueless that something was wrong. And, um, and then when the, the ultrasound tech was like, Hey, you know, I need to go get the, the doctor, um, something's not, doesn't look right or something like that. And then I thought, yeah, I remember laying on the bed, just waiting and thinking, oh, like at this point, if something's wrong with my baby, I don't care if it's a girl or a boy. Like I just want a healthy baby. And, um, and they, the doctor came back and started telling me all sorts of stuff. Um, that some things weren't right with my baby's brain, her heart, her hands were deformed and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, complete shock. Um, that like, you know, I didn't, I didn't even realize at that point in time that, um, that my baby wasn't going to make it. I just, um, I just, I had no clue. And I just remember like, particularly like the fact that like her arms and hands were deformed, you know, like that was just something like, you can't, you can't ignore, you can't easily fix or whatever. And, um, anyways, he started talking to me about how there's three big, um, three big things chromosomally that they need to look for. And it was, um, trisomy 18, 13, and 21. And that, um, 13 and 18 were the big ones because those meant that the baby would not be compatible with life. And 21 is down syndrome and that one, you know, the baby can live. And, um, and so they, right then and there started talking to me about, you know, is this, um, do you want to continue with the pregnancy or is terminating an option? And I was just like, Oh no, like terminating is totally not an option. Like I'm going to let this baby live as long as she, um, is meant to live for. And, um, I was like the last appointment of the day. So they couldn't do the amniocentesis right away. So we scheduled it for the next day. I went back and, um, And a week later we got the results and that she had trisomy 18. And so, you know, that was our answer that, um, she was incompatible with life and that was, well, so maybe that was at the 20 week mark and my ultrasound was at the 19 week mark, something like that. But, um, yeah, so, um, the doctor had told me that I think between weeks 31 and 33 of pregnancy, that would be most likely when I would lose the baby. And, um, so, you know, I, so I, I went through three months, 12 weeks of being pregnant with her, knowing that she wasn't going to make it. I'm really, really grateful that I lived in Utah, um, during that time with, um, with Intermountain Healthcare, because they got me set up with, um, what's it called? I haven't thought about this for 10 years. Um, (laughs) perinatal hospice. So they had a a hospice nurse assigned to me and my baby since she was gonna, since she was gonna die. Um, and it was just like, it was so nice and comforting to have her, her there. Um, you know, really like acknowledging that like, I there was this real human, you know, even though we couldn't see her um she was still there we could still like interact with her and form memories with her in our own way and um i remember her saying okay you know at this amount of weeks um the babies can hear you know um out from you know what's going on outside the womb so if you want to read stories with her you want to play music with her um you know do those sorts of things so that you can create so that you can create Memories with her, and so um, I didn't feel really good during my pregnancy, so I wasn't able to um, do as much as I had wanted to. But you know, I we tried to make the most of it, and I know, like, we went hiking and you know did a few things like that. Um, but my my biggest concern was just how my kids were going to come out of it, you know, because they they so were they were so excited for this little baby. And, um, you know, she wasn't going to make it. (laughs) So for the next three, three months, we just um, prepared for it. And I was in a little, yeah, I was in denial when the, when the moment actually came because um, like, I only felt her move like once a day and, you know, so like I couldn't gauge off of like, oh, I haven't felt the baby move today because like she only moved once a day anyway. So, um, it, I remember it was the night of August 7th. It was a Friday and, um, my husband had come home. We lived in Utah. He lived in California. Well, he he worked in California, so he would come home on the weekends and he had come home Friday night and he was making tortillas and, you know, homemade tortillas. And I remember eating it and the baby was just going crazy. Like she was moving, like she had never moved before. And, um, and I just remember like thinking, (laughs) thinking, wow, you know, oh, the baby, she really likes your, the, the tortillas, you know, she's really excited for the tortillas. And then Saturday came and I didn't feel her move. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, Sunday came. Didn't feel our move. We went to church that day, and I could not sit down. I just, I hurt so bad. So I remember, like, during sacrament meeting, standing against the wall, and just because I, I couldn't sit down. I was too, I, yeah, it was too jam packed. I was so I don't remember. I, this is something that trisomy eighteen babies have is that they can, um, they they may not swallow. Um, so babies swallow the amniotic fluid didn't know that, but she couldn't do that. And so I was just, even though she was a tiny little thing, like I was so full, like every time I'd go for an ultrasound, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, it's a swimming pool in there. (laughs) And so I was so full. And so like on that Sunday, I couldn't sit down at church. I was so miserable, so uncomfortable. And, um, and then my husband was driving back to, to California that night. So he could be to work on Monday and, um, I remember talking with my parents and telling them, oh, Hey, on Tuesday, I've got an, I've got an appointment at the hospital to do a walkthrough with the kids. Cause I, I wanted my kids to be there for the birth and stuff. And, um, so I just wanted to like, kind of expose them to it before. So it wasn't so shocking. So I had an appointment for Tuesday to do that, to do the little walkthrough so, oh yeah. So Sunday night he left Monday is when I had the conversation with my parents. Cause they, they happened to be in town visiting. They, they lived in Arizona and, um, and so I had a conversation with them on Monday and I said, Hey, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to do that walk through at the hospital. And while we're there, I, w- I just want to run over to my OB and have them do a heart rate or yeah check for a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, I haven't felt her move for a few days and, um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of on that Sunday night, I knew I should have said something to my husband before he went back to California. I knew, but I was still trying to like probably bargain, you know, like, oh, it's fine. She's fine. But then by Monday, I was like, no, she hasn't moved for days. Like I need to go check. So we went and did the little tour at the hospital. Then I ran over to the OB. They were checking for a heartbeat and they're like, oh, there it is. And I'm like, and I, but I could hear the heartbeat and feel the heartbeat at the same time. And I'm like, nope, that's my heartbeat. Yeah. And so, um, so then we, um, they decided to, they, they couldn't find anything other than mine. And so then we, they hooked me up for an ultrasound and it was crazy because like, like the tech, they put it on and within seconds, they're like, oh, yep, your your baby's passed away. Like they knew um, they could just tell, like they didn't even have to look for her heartbeat. Like they, she was like swollen or something they said, or maybe they could see that her heart wasn't beating, but they said because she was swollen, she had passed away from heart failure. Like, I don't know how they know that, but um, that's what they said. And so, um, so we scheduled for me to be induced to have her the very next day which was a wednesday um august 12th and i called my husband and had him come home and um and yeah so we went in the next morning and had her i scheduled with you <laughs> to to come there um and um just trying to think how that went i i just i remember telling them, you know, like I wanted, I wanted an epidural because I just, I didn't want to feel anything because it was already going to be a hard enough day as it was. I didn't want to feel anything. So, you know, they didn't even wait for me to start having contractions or anything. They just gave me the epidural right away. And, um, I don't know if it's typical for most hospitals, but our hospital in Utah had a, had a room set aside from all the other rooms where, you know, live babies were going to be born so that you didn't, so that I wouldn't have to sit there and listen to women being excited about their babies when I had a baby who passed away. So, so yeah, so they had, it it was in its own little section. So we were, we were away and everybody, all the staff would know that, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily, oh, congratulations on your baby. You know, they would come in and they could be sensitive to what happened. Um, it took a long
0: time though, didn't it? Like it it, it,
1: it did. Yeah. Which is surprising because all my, my other kids were pretty fast. Like my first one, I had her in seven or eight hours. I mean, I guess that's kind of typical, but my second one was three and a half hours. Oh no. My third one, my third one, we, they were, they didn't, they didn't do, um, Pitocin on that one. Um, because they were, they were watching my heart at the time. Cause I have a pacemaker and so they didn't want to do anything to, to freak out my heart. And so we were just kind of letting my body do it. Um, they did the stuff to like ripen mm-hmm. things up. <laughs> and, um, and so that, yeah, that one, that was actually my longest labor, my third one, but, um, Yeah, because we had gone in at like, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock in the morning. And it took until I think like almost six o'clock at night is when she was born. So yeah, it took a lot longer than I expected. I just remember
0: you calling me and being like, well, listen, it's kind of taking a long time. And so if you don't want to come in, I totally get it.
1: And Yeah, well, back to, well, maybe not back to school night, but for us, it was like, the night before school started. And I think you had back to school night at the school night. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, don't worry about it. And then I had her and I had, so, I mean, I had looked at, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. That's how I found you. And I knew I wanted that. And I just, you know, I thought those were really sweet and precious pictures. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I remember speaking to my, to my doctor about, her and if there was any sort of hurry that we needed to be in um like once we knew she wasn't you know that she had passed away and he was like oh no like you could be pregnant with her for a couple weeks before you have her you know like after she's passed away before you have her like your body will will go into labor on its own eventually and you know things like that and so he was not ne- he was never like oh yeah you should probably have her sooner than later So I never felt like that urgency. I wish I would have known the effect of her, you know, being dead so long. Cause I I think it was five days. Oh, so I think where, when that Friday night, when I was eating the tortillas and she was like moving like crazy, like, I really think that was the moment when she was dying, you know, like her body was. Yeah. And I, and then I think that's probably why I was so uncomfortable on Sunday, you know, like I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, so yeah, so I think she was dead for like five days before I had her. So then when I had her, that top layer of skin was like all off and I was not prepared for that was, I don't know what I thought would happen, but I was not prepared for that at all. And, um, and, and I think talking with you or maybe somebody else, you know, come to find out like that can happen within like 24 hours or something you know um and so I just yeah I wish I would have known so I could have been prepared because I had really really you know like I just wanted to hold her well first of all I wanted her to be born alive I wanted I wanted that so bad and that's why I wanted my kids there when she was going to be born so that they could hold her and all that sort of stuff but um but yeah, I was, I wish I would have just been a little bit more mentally, p- mentally and emotionally prepared for like what it realistically looks like to have a okay. stillborn, <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, so, so she came out, I remember she had this big, huge, like purple, like glob, like, like a blood clot at her forehead, probably because she was, you know, head down and everything just settled there. And, you know, like that top layer of skin, sorry, this is really, okay. I'm sorry, too much for you, <laughs> but it's the reality of how it was, you know, I was just shocked. And I was like, um, I'm like, she's not in any condition for having pictures taken. And so, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, Jessica, don't even come out. Don't bother. You know, you've got your stuff going on she looks awful this is not what I wanted let's just forget about it and you were so good and I'm so grateful like it's probably like the best thing you know that from the whole experience is that you were like well let me just come out and we'll see what we can do you know and I'm so grateful for that because like oh I'm gonna get emotional okay (laughs) (laughs) it's fun when when that when it just comes on like that but um Yeah, just because those are, like, some of my most prized possessions. My pictures of my family with my baby. So, even though we didn't, we decided to just keep her wrapped up in the blanket so you don't see her. But.
0: We did her feet and her hands, though.
1: Yes. Yeah, we did. We took pictures of her feet and we took pictures of her hands. We did take pictures of her when the kids weren't there with her face and, and head in it and stuff in it. And and that was fine. They turned out great. So much better than I could have imagined. But the thing is, is like, even though, you know, she was just wrapped up in a blanket, like what you felt and what you see in that picture is love, you know? Mm -hmm. So even though she wasn't, you know, picture perfect. The moment still was, and I'm just, I'm so grateful that you insisted and that you came out and did that. And, um, how big was she? Oh, she was three pounds and 14 ounces. And you were and how many weeks. I was 32 weeks. Exactly. Blessings in disguise that I'm grateful for is, and I, I started on this is that I am grateful that she was stillborn so that I didn't have to watch her suffer um but it was just not something I ever in the moment would have thought you know I just so grateful that we could just enjoy her for who she was or, or her body for mm-hmm. what it was we yeah. already knew that she was gone
0: it wasn't um, a rushed and stressful day it was a relaxed and peaceful day
1: yeah yeah it was it was it really was so i think it was a blessing too that your parents were in town Oh yeah, that's for sure. I totally forgot about that because, um, they, yeah, they lived in Arizona and they happened to be in town. So then when that happened, um, they were able to stay, they didn't leave. They were able to be there for me. Um, and they were, they were able to, um, to stay until I had her and, Um, They even stayed until the graveside service that we had, which was on Saturday. So, yeah. And I'm like, another blessing, like, I always took my kids with me everywhere I went, but that very first ultrasound or the one where I found out there was a problem, I had decided to leave them with a friend to watch them. And I'm like, so glad I did Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: that, I mean, I just. I walked out of that, out of out of that appointment and I was just crying. And I remember there was a man in the waiting room and he saw me and he's like, oh my goodness, are you okay? And I said, I said, no, I'm not. Like, I just found out there's something wrong with my baby, you know? And I just said like bawling, and I'm driving to my car and, um, yeah. And I called my husband and told him something was wrong. I called my friend who had my kids and told her something was wrong. And, um, uh, like she was so good, but, um, you know, she came in and I, I I'm sure I just look white as a ghost, but with the red face from crying too. But I was literally in shock and I just, she brought me into her house and sat me down on her couch and got me some water and just let me, let me deal with it for a moment. But then I remember also seeing, you know, she had little kids. She had a little baby who was, I don't know, probably one or something and, or, you know, a toddler, one or two. And I just remember looking at the at the baby and thinking, you know, cause like, I mean, that's when they had told me like her arms were deformed. Like I hadn't, I really hadn't caught up with, she's not going to live through this. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's she's deformed. Like I'm my, my baby's going to be deformed. And so I see this little baby and her, she's got these perfect little arms and, you know, it's like, it's a strange thing to kind of like, it's kind of, kind of jealousy, but then kind of also amazement, like jealous that this perfect little baby has, has perfect arms, but then um, just being amazed at the same time that Of realizing wow things can go wrong so this is amazing that this and and that was one of the things that I I dealt with that for a while during and after that pregnancy just looking at at people and just being amazed at people and realizing how many things can go wrong with with the pregnancy when a when a body is being deformed or when a body is being formed Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and just being amazed at how much goes right, you know, like how many times it goes right. And even people who are born with handicaps or special needs or whatever, you know, just still even being amazed with them, you know, that, you know, I it's, it's amazing. So yeah, that was, that was one of those things that I was, I was amazed with for, for a while, because you just realize how quickly it can. Yeah. Yeah. how easily it can go wrong so Mm -hmm. anyway so another blessing in disguise or is that um so after I had Kennedy I so a lot of you know I I guess women can have different reactions some of them want to have a baby again right away to fill those empty arms you know and some are like nope like I can't put myself through that again. I'm nope. I'm not going to do it. I was the one who was like, no, like I wanted this baby. I didn't get my baby. Like I'm ready. I want to do it again. And, um, my doctor gave me the clearance after I had had two normal cycles to go ahead and, and try again. And I got pregnant within four months and, um, and it was like, the one pregnancy that I didn't like announce to people right away that I was pregnant because I had just gone through what I went through with Kennedy. So we were kind of, I didn't want to say anything to anybody until I went into an, and got my ultrasound and made sure that things were okay. Like I was like, I'm going to wait till that 20 week ultrasound and I know things are okay. Well, I, I went in, to the doctor at 13 and a half weeks and it was my first appointment for that pregnancy and before they took me back to see the doctor they uh they're like oh well let's just you know check heartbeats or the heartbeat and we'll do a quick little ultrasound and so i lay down and um and the tech puts the the little ultrasound wand on my belly right and right away pulls it off and's like how many babies are in there? And I'm like, I don't know, but that looks like two. And she's like, she's like, did you know that already? And I said, no, this is my first anything I did not know. And she's like, so she puts it back on and she's like, yep, there's two babies in there. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, and my head's just spinning. Like, this is crazy. You know, I, I had always wanted twins, you know, but I thought, I'm not going to have twins. Who has twins? You know, like not everybody has twins. You know, everybody wants twins, but don't just get twins by, by wishing you had them. But um, yeah, so, and then I was just like, oh my gosh, that is so crazy. I have twins. It was not a relaxing pregnancy at all. It was very stressful. There's just a
0: lot of uh, anxiety.
1: That yeah.
0: After yeah. you lost a baby. Yeah. But and then they were a boy and a girl, and they
1: were born. Yeah, yeah, they were so they were due um September 11th and but my doctors told me that they wouldn't let me go past 38 weeks. So I knew I was having them in August. And so I knew that they they would be born by, by the end of August sometime. Went in had a C-section and Brindle was born at um 9:44 p.m. and Garrison was born at 9:46 p.m. So they they got Kennedy's birthday and, um, I love it. I think like it couldn't be more perfect for me. So it's just, it's been really good. The twins are amazing. And I, I wouldn't have had them. I'm just so grateful for where I lived when it happened. I had so many good, you know, friends and community members. And, you know, I mean, I just, I felt, I really felt loved and supported through it all. It was just, yeah, it's, it's crazy when you come out of an experience like that and you can see how you're a better person for it, you know, and, um, and that you can be grateful for it, even though it's not like a happy story. Like I can still look back on it, you know, and smile and be grateful for it. You know, I'm not like, I'm not sad or devastated by it. And it, it's funny because whenever like I tell people about it, they're always like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm like, it's okay. Like I'm, I've made peace with this story of my life. Like this was 10 years ago. I'm not sad about it. Like it just, it is what it is. And, um, you know, like it's okay.
0: (laughs) And I know like with me, I wouldn't be as compassionate as I am towards others that have gone through it, you know, and nor aware, like, I mean, I, I hadn't heard of a stillborn until I had Brock. And so you know, I'm definitely more aware and I can be there for others who have gone through it. So there's definitely, there's definitely some blessings that come from experiencing our trials, any trial, not just losing a child, but it just makes you more compassionate towards others. And those others need you. you Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that is very true. That is something that I've, I've seen with all the trials I've been through, but I mean, yeah, this one in particular, because, um, I I can relate to people in a way that I that I normally wouldn't, you know, and like and I know what other people did for me that were meaning that was meaningful. And so it helps me to know how to help and be there for other people, you know, in ways that that is meaningful. Or at least I hope it's meaningful to them, you know, and and one of those is that, you know, when somebody goes through a loss like that or when they're going through a trial don't like ignore them don't not talk to them you don't have to have the right thing to say but just say something you know or just hug them and don't like don't try to avoid talking about their loved one like one of my favorite things that that people up in Utah had said um to me through through that was just knowing that Kennedy's life meant something to them you know, that it impacted them. And, um, and that's, that's like, that's one of the most rewarding things for me is to know, like, okay, I didn't go through it for nothing. Like, like people felt something with me, you know, and, and we're missing like one of the biggest blessings. And that is you. (laughs) (laughs) I made a a new friend, (laughs) (laughs) chilly dates. And, um, what is that? The molten lava cake?
0: Molten lava cake. Every time oh. I see that, I think you so.
1: <laughs> I think you every time. Yep. Yeah. Not even molten lava cake. If I see it anywhere. Molten oh, lava,
0: that's how I am yeah. too. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I know. That was one thing that like your story in particular, I mean, I don't keep in touch with, with anybody else. I don't think that I took their pictures, but there was something about your family. I mean, your husband and I, like and you like we laughed we were like totally like I was there I think till like midnight I know I I think I remember like when I left the hospital and pulling out and because when I got there the sun was still out but when I left the sun obviously it was like almost midnight and I pulled (laughs) out and the first thing I saw was the Christmas in the visitor center and I just I lost it oh my gosh yeah that was like the most perfect scene to come out and drive, you know, like leave the yeah. guys and drive out, and that's what I saw. But I mean, we just had a good time. Like, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being willing to talk to yeah. me to share your story. And not a problem. I just wanted to say thank you to Jamie Sue again for being willing to share Kennedy's story with us. I'm so grateful for the friendship that her and I were able to gain out of this situation and I know that our cute little angels brought us together and I'm super grateful to them. Um, I also wanted to say if you know anybody that's going through a similar situation as what Jamie Sue mentioned her family going through with Sweet Kennedy, if you could help them reach out and find those resources to help them through that trial. I know it made a difference for them and for many other families, especially reach out to Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. They're a great organization. I'm grateful for the work I was able to do with them and for the work that they continue to do. Um, And I will be sure to add links for all of that in the description for this episode. So thanks again for listening and for supporting my little podcast I've got going. And we'll catch you next time. If you know of anybody that may be going through similar situation or just a hard time that maybe could use this story to see the good that came from it. If you could please share this podcast, I'd be so very grateful. If you or anyone you know would like to share your story, I would love to interview you. You can reach out to me on Instagram at look above the clouds and we can set up a time to get together and talk about a time in your life where you had to look above the clouds to find the rainbow. I know that by sharing your story others will benefit from it as well. So please reach out. Thank you again for listening to this podcast and for being here. Please remember as you go about life, if there is ever times where you are in a storm, to look above the clouds. God always sends a rainbow.